Have you ever looked at someone thriving in their business and wondered, how did they do it? Have you ever thought that you can't have mental health and success? Have you doubted your own ability to create a financially thriving career that still has your well-being at the forefront? Well, welcome to the Boardroom Brain Podcast, where we tackle those very questions. I'm Dr. Lauren Cook, and I'm a clinical psychologist and speaker that takes you behind the business and inside the minds of today's most successful and personally thriving leaders. We're taking a look at our guests' secrets to success, how they bounce back when they've been knocked down, and what advice they have for you. Oh, and I've got another motive too. As a clinician and company consultant who frequently sees employees struggling mentally and knocking on the door of burnout, I'm invested in having conversations about how we can bring more wellness into company culture. I wanna make sure that everyone has the absolute best work experience that we all can have. And I believe that includes making sure our businesses are invested in their employees as people, not just as time card stampers and payroll lists. So get excited to listen, learn, and leverage your own leadership skills. These conversations will help you tap into your own bravery while helping you reprioritize your sense of well-being, both at work and when you're off the clock. So step inside the conference room with me and welcome to the boardroom. Your brain is about to get a major bonus. Welcome to the Boardroom Brain Podcast, everyone. Today's guest is out of this world phenomenal. I admire her so much with everything that she's done. So I cannot wait to introduce our guest to you today. This is gonna be a good conversation, folks. Dr. Laura Purdy is a board certified family medicine physician who's wrapping up 14 years as an officer in the US Army. She started working in telemedicine in 2016 as a full-time physician and became the medical director of MD Live. After MD Live, Laura became one of the regional medical directors of HIMSS and HERS and entered the telehealth industry, gig economy style. Now, Laura has now worked for dozens of virtual health companies across the industry, and she also consults for early stage telehealth startups in the U.S., and the UK. She has 49, soon to be 51, state medical licenses and believes in empowering young businesses to meet and exceed their business vision. Laura has co-founded two telehealth companies and is now lobbying at the federal level to influence change that increases access to care and reduces disparities in telehealth. Dr. Laura, welcome to the show. Oh my goodness, what a bio. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm, I feel like I might be blushing after that. Um, thank, you. thank you for the, the kind and generous introduction. Oh, well, what an impressive career that you've had thus far. And I can't wait for our conversation today because I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. And so I do a lot of telehealth myself. And this is such an exciting conversation because really, I think the pandemic rocketed but when it was already really starting with telehealth, but just magnified it even more. I'm, I'm sure you saw that too with your work as well. Yes. I mean, you, you are so right. We, people like you and me, we were doing telehealth. I say before it was cool. <laughs> it's, it's just been a hyper growth since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now I want people to hear about your journey thus far. And I love how you combine your love for medicine with also an entrepreneurial flair. So tell us how you bring those two worlds and those two passions together. Oh, wow. What, what a question. I, so it was an accident. It, it really was. I didn't intend to 
go out and do that. But in the healthcare field, it's moving so quickly. I know you see this too in, in what you're doing. And especially as we're working digitally, there's just a tremendous business component of doing this type of work uh, virtually. And there's a lot of problems to solve and a lot of troubleshooting to do and test programs to pilot launch and new initiatives to try. And so I think being in the industry at this place and time, it lends itself to, to having a, a bend towards business, if you will. And so I think it was just a natural extension. Not everyone is, has a business inclination, um, but I do. And I think it's really fascinating because we can't operate without the business side. You have to have both. Mm -hmm. You have to have both. So yeah, yeah, you absolutely do. And at the same time, I think people sometimes get really scared by that. You know, I got licensed and started my private practice right as soon as I got licensed. And people were always like, how are you having a private practice? That sounds so hard. But really, you know, if you're willing to ask for help and ask questions and, and work with other people, not just do it on your own, I find that it doesn't have to be so intimidating, that it's, it's not as hard to have your own business sometimes as people make it out to be. I'm curious if that's been your experience too. Gosh, I mean, it is scary. I, I don't, I don't want to understate the, in, the scariness, but on the other hand, the industry and the community and the, com the country and the world needs people to be brave and to step foot out there and be brave enough to start businesses and take on these responsibilities and find wise people to ask how to do things. Like for me, that would be marketing and finance, <laughs> not my skill sets. And so to find those people to kind of be your support system and your team to, to get through those challenges, because your expertise, area of expertise will be someone else's area of challenge. Mm -hmm. So we can all work together um, to put our gifts together to make it work. Oh, that is so beautifully said. I love that idea of we need people to be brave and we need people to be open and asking for help in all those different facets. I, I'm completely right there with you. Like designing a website, that was totally out of my scope. So I'm going to hire someone to help me with that who can do it a million times better than I can. We don't have to do all things. We can work with other people. And I'm hearing that's what you do as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now I'm curious to hear more about telehealth. How are you seeing that change the way that people can access services unlike ever before, I'm wondering? It is changing every day. What we can do today and what we can do tomorrow are different the laws, I mean, you've probably seen this too, the laws have greatly expanded to allow people to use technology to do their job, which is great because every other industry out there allows people to use technology to do their job. So why don't we <laughs> in healthcare, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, so, so the laws have really expanded, but the technology is advancing too. And so for me being a physician, the, the, the ability to use technology as a way to overcome 
that barrier of distance to do physical exams and to obtain the objective data that we need to make clinical decisions is growing our capacity every single day. And it's really exciting to think about how we are getting closer and closer to having a fully complete, robust, high quality standard of care, dare I say equivalent to what you would get in the doctor's office experience. Every day we get closer to that. Wow. Wow. That's incredible to me. And I'm curious for the, for the skeptic who's listening to this and is saying, okay, well, if I think I've got strep throat and you can't give me the swab through the zoom screen, how does that work? So I, I want to use this as a caveat to say we did not plan this in advance. So what I'm about to say is purely a fun coincidence of the conversation. But I have four children uh-huh. and the oldest is eight. And so twice in the last, we'll say 16 months, all four of them have gotten strep throat <laughs> all at the same time. Aww. And it always happens at nine o'clock at night, you know, on a holiday or something like mm-hmm. that. But so so we actually have a virtual nurse practitioner that is, for the lack of a better word, I mean, we do have a brick and mortar PCP, but she meets our, you know, that's where they go to get their immunizations and their checkups and their heights and their weights and all the things you need to do at the pediatrician's office. We still do all of that. Mm -hmm. But there are these two instances where all four of the children have had strep throat because that's what they do. And we bought a a box of test kits on Amazon. They're the exact same. Um, They look like little pregnancy test strips, but it's for strep throat. And it's exactly what the clinic uses. And it has very detailed step-by-step instructions in it. I'm not special. Me being a doctor doesn't mean I never had done one before until I got them off of the internet, you know, and they're (laughs) validated. It's the same stuff we use in the clinic. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I had the ability to swab all of their throats, right. And take a picture of the clearly very positive test (laughs) at nine 30 at night and, and direct message it over to our nurse practitioner. And then over sometime overnight, she gets the, the information And the following morning, we're able to go pick up their medication at the Walgreens, completely avoiding, in this case, an unnecessary office visit, right? Where they would lick lick the walls and come home with some other illness, you know? (laughs) That's incredible. And I'm hearing actually like people can get care faster because they don't have to wait for an appointment the next day. Or what if the doctor can't get you in for a few days? you just get the test that evening and then you go that it's actually, it sounds like even better than if you'd had to wait for an appointment potentially. Absolutely. I mean, me as a mom, right. What, what would I have done? Alternatively, I could have gone to the urgent care at 10 o'clock at night with four children under the age of eight, or I could have canceled my entire work day the next day and gone to the urgent care with four kids under the age of eight. (laughs) You know, there's just no, um, I, I can't even describe as a, as a mom, as a, as a person, not all physician aside, how that has been life-changing for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and let's talk about that, that part as a physician, how are you seeing telehealth perhaps start to shift the mental health of, of medical providers? Because there is so much burnout in the industry. Are you finding that moving to telehealth 
does it in any way give you more life balance, more time in your schedule? Are you seeing any shifts there? Absolutely. And I, I say, I, I acknowledge that what I'm about to say may be a little controversial, but, but this is the stuff we need to talk about, right? Historically, there has been this, um, this notion that healthcare providers of all types should just work and work and work until they're absolutely buried in the ground. And it's almost like there's just the, you get a trophy for doing that, right? It's respected and it's seen as those are the good doctors. Those are the good nurse practitioners, the ones that are running themselves into the ground, just working like dogs. And Mm -hmm. there has been a disregard. And to an extent, I think even some shaming involved in people who choose not to have an 80 hour a week full-time, all-day, 12-hour schedule career, and there hasn't really been an alternative Mm. um, that could still be lucrative and and give this work-life balance. And telehealth does that. It gives us back the freedom of choice in how we we work and when we work and where we work. And to an extent, you still got to apply by HIPAA, you know, but (laughs) But I think it's it's opened up a whole new world of of acknowledgement and respect for the fact that work life balance and mental wellness of the healthcare providers is is very important, and we should take that into consideration as we build out our our daily workloads loads and workflows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm right there with you. You know, I, full disclosure, I was skeptical of telehealth before the pandemic. And I still hear that with a lot of my fellow therapists, that there is this preference for the in-person, you know, and, and I can completely get that. And at the same time, as someone who just has a virtual practice at this point, I see it working really well, not just for my mental health, but for my clients too, because they're not having to drive an hour to see me. They can see me during the business day rather than just in the evening, like how it used to be. Um, maybe a little bit different for our fields in that way, but I'm seeing it benefit both both parties uh, where you can still do some really effective work. Absolutely. I mean, you you can still build a solid relationship. You can still have rapport. Mm-hmm. You can have you can have all of the things that you could have in the brick and mortar for your type of situation, except for the ability to touch someone. And frankly, how much touching do you do during therapy? Not much, I hope not much. (laughs) Generally none, right? I mean, maybe a hug if they've been a long-term, well-established, exceptionally well-established patient, but- And if they initiate it. (laughs) And and if they initiate it, but especially since the pandemic, we we really have gotten away from extraneous touching. I don't know what the right word is, but we just don't. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely true. So that's exciting. Now, in terms of, I'm curious your thoughts too, on the licensure side of it, because- I know for myself, we have what's called SIPAC, where only some states allow you to practice, you know, hold a license that kind of translates across, you know, state borders. California, where I'm at, is not one of them. Uh, how are you seeing that work for you? You're almost at 51 uh, state licenses. So how has that process been for you? California. <laughs> so we, we are standing on the edge of change. And it is 
archaic and it is irrelevant and it is predicated on the notion that you are working in a brick and mortar facility mm-hmm. for these company for these states not to have licensure reciprocity do i think everybody needs to be allowed to do things like go do surgery and deliver babies in every state no but when it comes to remote care virtual health tele medicine in whatever capacity mm-hmm. it's bizarre and ridiculous that the states have not figured out a way to come to an agreement that we can safely do this across state lines. They allowed it in the pandemic. They waived a lot. Almost all of the licensure requirements were waived during COVID. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm like doing the major clap over here because I'm so, so on board with that. I mean, it's if we don't have evidence of that right now, that telehealth works across state lines, what else do we need to prove it? You know, And it breaks my heart because a lot of people, maybe they live in rural areas, right? I, we were talking before we started recording. I was just speaking in Nebraska yesterday and so many of the students there were like, there's not enough therapists in our state to provide for us. Whereas if we can all work together across the country, it can completely expand services for folks. So I hope I hope that we see some changes really soon on that front. And it's happening. I don't mean to uh, berate the government so severely. They, I've been doing this for probably six years now, six or seven years, and I've seen changes in the law that we truly never thought would happen. Mm. So the change is happening. And to give them credit, I don't think it would be possible for the government to change as fast as the technology and the industry is changing. Mm-hmm. Um, but but there is still a long way to go. <laughs> well, and speaking of your service with the government and, and our country, you have served for 14 years as an officer in the U.S. Army. Tell us a bit about that experience and how your service has shaped what you're doing now. Oh, gosh, I wouldn't I wouldn't even know where to start. Um <laughs> But the first telemedicine visit I ever did was when I was in the army and I've been out for almost a year now. So I was in North Carolina and I had medics and soldiers, you know, people who were in Africa. And the first telemedicine visit I ever did was on a guy who was in Uganda and got appendicitis. Mm. And you can't prepare yourself for that one. What do you do when you get (laughs) appendicitis in Uganda? Yeah. Yeah. So we did a telemedicine visit and basically I said, you've got to go to the emergency room. I don't care what country you're in. That's what you have to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And they did it. It turned out fine. But you know, that was the first time where I learned and realized that I could still be effective and I could still provide meaningful and useful benefit remotely, Mm -hmm. not being in the same location as someone else. Mm but, you know, the military taught me a lot more than I imagined that it would that applies into the real world, being an innovator and being an entrepreneur in the army. I was in the army. You get stuck in positions with limited resources Mm -hmm. and your job is to inspire and motivate change and do better than the person who was before you. And those are foundational principles in the world of entrepreneurship and small businesses and telemedicine. And there's a lot of overlap. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and what I think about with that, that situation where you were just talking about 
the gentleman that had appendicitis, you were a huge bridge into him getting the care he needed. You know, I think sometimes people can really try and, oh, I don't need to do that. You know, I don't want to go to the hospital. You were that person that helped build the bridge for him to get the care that he needed in person, I'm hearing. Absolutely. And that is a very common statement made by people who call into telemedicine urgent care is I just don't, I don't want to. And sometimes we can say, you don't have to, it's not a today problem. And other times it's like, you really need to. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I always like to do a little bit of LinkedIn stalking before our guests come on the show. And I was reading on your LinkedIn page, how you were sharing about U.S. doctors being able to provide telehealth services to Ukrainian soldiers, civilians, refugees recently. I want to hear about that for you because that's so present of mind for folks right now and how incredible how you're using telehealth in that way too. Yes, I would love, I would absolutely love to talk about that project. So I was approached um, two or three days after the war in Ukraine started and asked if I would be the chief medical officer for the Amy project which is a, right now it's a volunteer organization that was originally designed to provide and and will someday be used to provide um, access to telemedicine for the underserved in the US. Mm -hmm. And so we pivoted that product and just approached the Ukrainian government. We we really just called them up and started looking for people in the Ministry of Health and offering our resources, not necessarily our solutions, but our resources Mm -hmm. for them to leverage in whatever way they needed and had a tremendous outpouring of volunteer clinicians from across the world. And that's what we've been doing. We've been providing free video based um, with translator services as needed generally primary and urgent care. It's not battlefield point of injury care. It's not like that. Mm -hmm. Um, As well as in hospital, doctor to doctor care in the facility, you know, consultative interactions. And it's been very well received and tremendously meaningful work. Mm, That is so inspiring. And again, with telehealth, look how quickly you were able to activate that. I could imagine somehow if it was in person, there'd be a lot more logistics to coordinate. We just hop on the internet, we can get connected and you're providing life-changing work. That's incredible. Wow. 10 days. It took 10 days to get the project going and we had our first patients within 24 hours of launch. Crazy. Oh my gosh. Okay. I hope everyone bookmarks that part of the conversation because that's just phenomenal. I'm, I'm so glad we got to to bring that to light. I think people need to hear about that. And I want to talk too about Chief because I love that you are an advocate for women, especially helping women elevate to leadership roles within their work and stay there. Tell us about that side of things too. I'm so, I'm very excited about this actually Chief, which if you don't know what Chief is, it's essentially a a platform or a think tank or a, a group of um, curated women who are in exec, you know, various executive positions, industry agnostic all across the country who are coming together to um, bring their minds into one place to voice opinions, bounce ideas off of each other, develop networks and colleagues. And it's, it's really exciting. I think being a 
female executive in the healthcare industry who's also a mom and a veteran and an entrepreneur. I mean, it's just, it's so hard to find relevant mentors mm-hmm. <laughs> and peers and friends and colleagues. It's, yes. not, it's, it's more about the community than it is about the mentorship. But I think mentorship is just a natural evolution of that. Mm-hmm. And chief is, is new. It's relatively new. And I'll be starting in the June cohort is okay. how they say that. Um, but I, I think it's so powerful and it really speaks to the, the power that women leaders have. And it's just so exciting. Oh, I love that. I, I want to check. I mean, I'm not an executive, but I want to check that out. And I hope people will look at that too as a resource because what an incredible way to connect women. And again, I feel like the theme for today has been the power of our digital age that we can connect with women from around the country, maybe it's international even, uh, you know, whereas before it'd be pretty hard to find, you know, those people in your community. Absolutely. The world is becoming so small and I think our access to each other and the resources that we can, like we talked about in the beginning of our conversation, putting our skill set and our gifts together to make things bigger and better the digital, the digital age and technology is, is making that even more real every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll have to keep us updated with how, how that goes. That's really, really exciting. Now tell us, we always like to ask on this show, what you do for your well-being on a regular basis, because you did just list all those amazing things, a part of your identity, you know, being a mom of four, a veteran, an entrepreneur, a doctor, there's that too. I, I'm probably missing something in there. How do you still make time for your own well-being? You know, I think that is definitely something to be attuned to. And I, I truly, I will tell you, it is true that choosing a work from home remote life is, is the biggest thing that I have done. I still go into the hospital from time to time and it's soul draining, (laughs) And I'm reminded, I'm reminded when I, it's good to go in every so often because I'm reminded of how much my wellness is protected and enhanced simply by working from home and being remote. We, I do all the other things. I have hobbies and I spend time with my kids and my husband and I sneak away for movie dates during the day sometimes. And you know, we have a church and we have vacations and we have a family. We do all of that. But if I can envision that all of that would be very draining and exhausting, if I was doing brick and mortar full-time out of the home work. And so it's really that that's been the biggest thing for my wellness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's powerful. That's powerful. And, you know, that may not work for everybody, but even this idea too of, maybe we find a hybrid way. Maybe we find creative ways to do it where we don't have to do this all or nothing thing, you know, and there are ways to find more balance. Uh, so I, I love that you are soldiering into this because I think it's, it's really setting a great precedent for others too. Um, we love to learn on this podcast too. So tell us about a good book or something you learned recently. We're always looking to expand our, our library. So anything you recommend learning wise? Oh gosh, you know, I'll, I will confess to you that, uh, this true confessions, I haven't <laughs> read a book since medical school. 
Fair enough. It killed it for me. (laughs) I, you know, med school killed reading for me and the military killed working out for me. (laughs) Two things are never coming back. Um, However, I, gosh, what have I learned recently? I've been learning a lot about really boring things that nobody would probably think is interesting at all. (laughs) But I've recently been looking into learning about real estate investing and because, so as a, you know, as a um, physician and I'm the, the breadwinner of the home, I do have this thought in my mind of what happens if something happens to me mm-hmm. and if all of our income that's dependent on me having a medical license goes away, what do I, what do I do? Right. Yeah. So I'm looking at real estate investing. And uh, I've learned a lot about how you can um, protect your assets for the future. Mm-hmm. Here you go. I'll teach you one. Here we go. It's not a book. It's not a book. But in the, in the vein of digital health and telehealth, I've recently stumbled upon a service that allows you to do um, like all of your, I'll say like estate planning and living wills and how to delegate your assets. And that's become really important to me as I think about planning for our family. It's called, um, and I've learned so much about how to do this. I want to make sure I say it. I want to make sure I say it right. But what's amazing about this is it's completely 100% digital, online, all online. You don't have to pay an attorney or go to an attorney or pay an accountant. Trust and will, trust ampersand will is the name of this. Okay. And it was very cheap. I don't even remember what the price was, but a fraction of what it would cost to um, take care of that in the real world. Mm -hmm. And I've learned so much about how to delegate my wishes and make sure that, you know, the kids are taken care of and handle power of attorneys and kind of morbid to talk about, but I've learned a lot and it's 100% virtual, totally digital. Uh I did it at a restaurant. I was at happy hour with a friend and filled it out. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. We are totally going to include this in the show notes for folks because I'm so glad you hit this home because so many of us, we don't have a professional will, a personal will, heaven forbid anything happened to us. We'll be up a stream at that point. That could be an issue. So I hope everybody, I just did my professional will last week. So It's it's so important. So I hope everybody listening, no matter what line of work you do, this is your reminder from the universe. Get all your documents in place, trust and will. Thank you for that. I love it. My last question that I have for you, Laura, and uh, we always like to finish on a bang here. What do you hope your legacy will be? Oh man, I, this is kind of funny. I call myself, and this is a, this is a work in progress. I call myself the grandmother of telemedicine. <laughs> and I always get told that I, I'm not old enough to be able to call myself a grandmother, right? <laughs> but I want, I want to be remembered and I want my legacy to, to be as one of the founding pioneering innovators of the future of healthcare. Mm-hmm. I want to be a driver of change for the government, for the people, and for the founders, for the people that want to the, go out there and make the future right? I want to inspire. I want to help. I want for people to say, oh yeah, we, we worked with her and she really set us in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to be known as, as brave and bold and challenging the status quo, but doing it safely and responsibly. And I want to demonstrate to the world 
not to be cliche, but I want to be the change that I want to see in the world. I want to live it so that the rest of, of the industry can become it in the future. Mm, That's the quote right there. That was powerful. I've got the chills. I've got the chills, even in this warm California weather I'm in. Wow. Oh my gosh. I cannot wait for people to hear this conversation. You are an absolute inspiration. I don't want to say girl boss, woman boss, like you are doing it. You are doing it. Oh, people are going to be so inspired by you, Dr. Laura. And tell folks, where can they get in touch with you if they'd like to learn more from you or see more of what you're doing? How can people follow your journey? The best place is LinkedIn. Honestly, there's all kinds of fun and interesting articles in there that I've been quoted on a lot of stuff about women's health. I won't spoil it, but there's some really funny funny things on there to read. And you can read more about the Ukraine um, project there as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, but send me a message. You're welcome to just network with me. Tell me where you heard about me and, or where you heard me is what I should say. Um, and, and I love to connect. I love to have a conversation with anybody, even if you have questions, if you've thought about getting into telemedicine and mm-hmm. advice is free, friends are free, colleagues are free. I don't ever charge people for relationships, right? So I love to network and would love to hear from y'all. Oh, beautiful. Well, Dr. Laura, thank you for coming on the show. What a gift you are giving us to share your wisdom and knowledge. Uh, I think this is just the beginning of us literally seeing you reach grandma age and do incredible things in your career and, and as a human being in general. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It truly is an honor. So thank you. Be well, be well. You too. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in for today's episode of the Boardroom Brain Podcast. Let's cultivate those networking skills starting today. Share this episode with someone who could benefit from listening and leave a comment and review to let me know what you think. Subscribe to get all the latest episodes and don't hesitate to tell me who you'd love to hear on the podcast. Don't forget that you're always welcome to watch the YouTube version of these episodes as well if you'd like to experience this conversation visually. I always welcome your feedback and I hope today's dialogue sparked your own insights. Here's to fostering those healthy brains both in the boardroom and beyond.